The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Well, hello there, Knapsack Files friends and family. It is I, Ken Knapsack, here for another exciting episode of the Knapsack Files. We've got an interview coming up with the great Bonnie Burton. She makes her debut here on the Knapsack Files, and it is a wild ride. I love talking with Bonnie. She's someone who I've known of for a very long time. She worked at Lucasfilm, did a lot of things in the Star Wars community, and I had friends that knew her. She lived up in San Francisco, and then she moved down to L.A. We're going to hear all about that. I finally got to meet her on some wonderful Taco Crawls to run Los Angeles and found her to be just as uh, endearing, charismatic, fun, and endearing to talk to in person as she seemed online. And you're going to get to sit down with her today and me for this upcoming interview. But first in business, you know, business is just boring to do with a guest in the room. That's why we do these intros here. And first thing I want to make you all aware of are the Knapsack Files collector cards that are out. If you go to catnapsack.com, you can go to my shop, which is always in some sort of work construction zone mode. We're working on some things there, but you can see them there. You can see the cards. You can buy them through there or reach out to me directly uh, if that's not working or overseas shipping. But there's a set of four Knapsack Files collector cards designed by the great Brian Ward. My life goal is always be on a set of baseball cards. It's happened. Not for hitting a curveball, but for talking. And I put it together with Brian and very happy with him. Uh, if you want to check them out, do so. And then also book plates are there. What are book plates? Well, just stickers. Stickers where I can write my name down and you can put it on the inside of your copy of Why We Love Star Wars. Do get the request a lot for a signed copy of the book. I do sell those directly through my website. A lot of people already have the book, and you might want to have uh, my name, for whatever reason, scribble down on the inside with a nice little message to you, and that's finally possible with these book plates. Got those put together. A little simple design, a little simple sticker, but I'll send something out with you uh, to you on those ones as well. And that's on the website right now. We're doing great things on the website, great things on Patreon, including the first ever episode of Inside Why We Love Star Wars. Uh, taking my book, breaking it down uh, section by section with questions from Patreon supporters, uh, insightful questions, fun questions. Uh, not just about, hey, here's the thing I wrote, but hey, here's the thing I wrote, and I'm not happy with this sentence. I don't know why that's there. I definitely wanted that there, but there's this thing that I might have put in. It's all these stats and stories into the creation of the book, Why We Love Star Wars. That's through my Patreon page, available to everyone. And of course, I can't do anything without my Patreon supporters, my Patreons. Uh, so my patrons, my high-tier patrons, I always do a shout-out to them. That's Sir Thomas the Tall Thomas Rizzling, Lethal Logan X, Matthew Simon Bedore. Back, I'm back twitching, which means uh, streaming on Twitch. I just like saying twitching, but uh, you know, I don't want you to think I'm just twitching alone in my room. Uh, we're streaming again, and Bedore is uh, one of uh, the key people in my uh, Twitch stream community, as is Kyle Harlow. He's a top-tier pers- uh, supporter here. Matthew Tom- Thompson, Tamor Abdul, and Rafe the Buddha Brothers, and Donna Long, Nathan Ovendale, Zach Anderson, and my good buddy Ty Schallenberger. Those are my executive producers on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash to support and final bit of boring business house cleaning before we get to the great interview here with Bonnie Burton is uh, Mark Ellis and I. Yeah, you know Mark Ellis. 
He's doing some great things as well, launching a, his own Patreon page very soon. Details forthcoming. His comedy special, Dog Stepfather. That's what it's called, right? Not stepdad's dog's dog. It's something to do with dogs. It's Mark Ellis's comedy special, of which I was a part of the taping in Chicago. That's coming out in November. And uh, a lot of it tied to uh, Mark's new Patreon page. It's coming up, so follow Mark Ellis Live uh, for information on that. And then go to markellislive.net to get tickets to our comedy show. Stand-up comedy in the nation's capital, November 16th. Two shows, 7.30 and 10 at the Comedy Loft in D.C. It's going to be my first time out there. I'm looking forward to it. I think I'm taking a red eye in, which I think I've grown to like the red eyes. Took one to Houston. You just got, I took one recently to New York, too. So they had two red eyes in 2019, and I never really done that before. But I like it. It's comforting, a little less stress, a little less pressure. You're more likely to fall asleep because I can't sleep on a plane, even though I try. I finally did get some sleep uh, in uh, going to Houston. Um, but it's just kind of relaxing. And then you just the key is you just, you just have to have a place to stay when you get in. Can you check in early? Do you have a crash, uh, a couch to crash on, uh, a parking lot to sit down on, something? Uh, when I was in Houston, I had one little connecting flight, and I got there, got to the hotel. And I was supposed to already have a room. It was supposed to have been like the night before uh, was the reservation, and I, and I got there like 7.30, 8 a.m. I was exhausted. Uh, did a little bit of sleeping before the layover, but he had a, had a change. So I kind of was worried about getting up. I get there. They didn't have the room for me. I was like, what do I do? I got two su- suitcases. There's a couch in the lobby. Can't really do a lot of walking around this part of Houston. And the nice lady there, she said, I'm going to make it work for you. And she did. She set some housekeepers up, and I got in early, and I got a good nap in. And then you're good to go. You're good to go. And that's what I'm looking forward to in D.C. A red eye out. Take a little nap. Get there. Be good to go. See the nation's capital. Do some comedy. And hopefully see all of you there. Also, December 7th, I'll be at the live uh, Movie Trivia Schmodown event in downtown L.A. And I will have copies of the book available if you'd like to purchase one from uh, me there directly. Uh, We'll sign it there. We'll shake hands. And I hope you then enjoy it. So that's the business. That's the boring part. But now we're going to get to the great part this is something I actually been waiting to have happen for a long time here in Epsec Files. Um, I've known Bonnie now for about a bit of a year or so since she's been to LA and it finally worked out for me to uh, get her on the show and she is here. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, the great Bonnie Burton here on the Knapsack Files. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful Burbank, California. It's smoky. It's windy. We're here for another edition of the Knapsack Files. I'm Ken Knapsack. And we have a special guest. I love sitting down with my friends. And sometimes it's an old friend. Sometimes it's someone I want to get to know more. And tonight, it's someone I feel is an old friend, but I'm getting to know her more, especially at parties, with tacos and drinks in hand. Please welcome author, journalist, awesome person, Bonnie Barton. How are you? Wow. Wow. I always, it's like, I know your background is in morning drive-by radio stuff. Drive-by radio? (laughs) Drive-by radio. That's what I called it. I was a DJ for a long time. You were. Oh, yeah, but crap one. I was in a college DJ, college music DJ. And I was the music director of KUCB Radio in Boulder, Colorado, which does not even exist anymore. 
because it got turned into a class and not student-run radio. I think we were the last generation to do the student-run, the last class to do the student-run radio because we were, it was W, it was like Johnny, all Johnny Fevers. It was Johnny Fevers. And WKRP in Cincinnati. We were not supervised. Yeah. The only way we got to get our school funding is if we promised to do one of the school sports. Yeah. And we were like the bad news bears of Frisbee football. Uh, like we would smoke. We would burn people that would get playing. too close to us while playing. While playing. <laughs> yeah. We were horrible. Frisbee football can get intense. Frisbee golf I mean, can get intense. Oh, Frisbee golf. We used to give out extra points if you hit certain professors no one liked on campus. It was like Caddyshack with frisbees. Yeah. We were, ho- I mean, that's the '90s, right? Like, yes, I'm sure. I'm sure college kids are very well They're mannered now. Very respectful. All very like on frisbee the ball. Golfers. Got the eye of the prize. We I, were just a mess. I had one experience with frisbee golf with my dad and some of his friends on a trip up in Santa Cruz. We just out there and I'm like, let's try this fun thing, and like, yeah. we angered a lot of people. Oh yeah. And they yeah. have like 16 Frisbees in a case. Yeah. Like they're putting Frisbees. That's why driver people frisbee. stick to, that's why the, the considerate people stick to hacky sack. Because what could possibly <laughs> yeah. go wrong in hacky sack? I didn't hacky sack. I, sacky sack I didn't. I, it's just too much patchouli and rasta rainbows. <laughs> I couldn't do it. This, I'm too goth to hacky sack. You are goth. An old school goth. This I'm is, recovering goth, actually. Recovering goth? Oh, okay. Well, you me. got some new hair color here, I got, right? You switched like, up a little bit. Yeah, it's more like an auburn. When I first moved yeah. to LA, I fell into the blonde trap. I saw that. And I, I can't pull off blonde. I'm too bitter and... <laughs> And most of the time I've either known you or seen pictures of you was dark black. Golf. Yeah. I've always had right. black hair. Yeah. I've had other hair colors that sure. weren't natural, like yeah. blue and green and red and purple. Best. And yeah, there's many colors. And to I did from. pastel pink for a while, but honestly it's like when you reach mid forties or late forties, <laughs> You have to settle down. You start, well, it's not that you have to settle down. You just pick a, pick a color and stick with it. Is it, is it not so much uh, that you feel the pressure of age and, 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 and the concept of maturity, but just, it's it's a, that's pre- a lot of work. Honestly, it's, it's not even the pressure work. of age. It's, I'm really lazy. That's the, that's the answer. I think I was telling you earlier because yeah. I'm like watching so many true crime shows lately. Because yeah. um, I'm I'm an author, so I write mostly kids' books and pop culture books. Like yeah. my most recent one is uh, Art of Abominable, the mm. DreamWorks movie that just came out. But it was a gift book. Comcast had just bought DreamWorks, mm. and they don't want to do any more Art of books. So it's like... <laughs> It, it went to a, every DreamWorks employee yeah. here and overseas, so that's great. But yeah. it's and I get paid the same no matter what. No matter I don't what. get royalties, so I was just like, Ugh. so I'm I'm starting to and also I'm a journalist, yeah. Which I, it's hard to say with a straight face anymore because <laughs> it feels like I'm a T Rex and I see the yeah, asteroid coming. You've been doing it for a long time. You don't I've just been, have a blog. I started in music journalism. Nice. Uh, where 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 that? Where dig into that for a second? Okay, so I was a music DJ and music director at a college radio okay. station. I was in and out of bands. Like, I was in some bad punk bands, bad, like, nice. sort of decent Riot Girl and, bands, but... Yeah, and you and I are the same, like, because I was a rock DJ in 94 yeah, to 98. Yeah, so yeah. So we're in that era, that so I would tasty write 90s. for, like, CMJ, and okay. uh, I must have... I feel like I did something for Enemy. I did something for Spin... Oh, God, Blender. Remember that? Oh, I remember Blender. Ah. I do remember Blender. Oh, CD-ROM magazines. Get yes. The, we're going to go old school I in this conversation because I am ancient. Um, no. So I started off in that and music journalism was literally like if you watch Almost Famous, it is pretty accurate. Yeah, I have a poster of the movie hanging in my wall. I here. mean, I remember interviewing and I interviewed a lot of mm. uh, alternative bands. Oh, and I was a VJ for a show called Teletoons in Denver. Wow. From like 94. Yes. 
forward in 96. You and I were, you and I were talking about the same music. I was, I was like, here's a new one from live. And you're like, here's the new video from live. Yeah. But I would dig up dirt. Like I would be like, Hey, skinny pup and the new one from skinny puppy. Did you know they're avid bowlers? And then we would like interview them at the bowling alley right next to Gothic Theater yeah. in Denver, because that's where they would be. Yeah. Um, I remember I really wanted to interview Henry Rollins, but mm-hmm. he was like super introverted and shy, yeah, yeah. which is weird because he's yeah. like black flag and spoken word, and you mm-hmm. and he's all muscles, and you think this dude would be super extrovert, yeah. no, super shy, quiet. Stared at my shoes the whole time. I'm like, he either likes my shoes or he's just shy. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. But he was very sweet. Like I would interview, uh, God, uh, Poison Ivy. Yeah. And the cramps. Yeah. A lot of industrial bands. I think I've interviewed or interviewed members of Nine Inch Nails through every album. Uh, they know you. Yeah. Well, it's weird. It's like, uh, I know peripherally. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then I did the thing where you date peripherally. <laughs> I'd had a problem dating bands. I, I think Lester Banks would have warned you against that. Yeah. But, yeah. I do remember I was with this band uh, interviewing them. Mm-hmm. Their name was Therapy with question mark. Their Northern Irish band. Mm-hmm. Andy Cairns was the lead singer. And we were friends because every time yeah. he would come to Colorado, I would take him places and like we'd hang out and Get stuff. Some- Super nice guy. And also that's the the beginning of craft beer. Yeah. Oh, movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Colorado. Not a band, folks. The movement. No, no, no. The movement, which I know sounds weird now, but this was like yeah. when Fat Tire started. Yes. It's like when you're in the Midwest and all you have is butter course. You, you gotta add you to got to that. And when you f- drink your first Guinness or you drink your first craft beer, or you drink your first porter or stout or whatever, it's yeah. like you've, you've found God. <laughs> It's like, it's like when you realize that there's good cocktails out there, like you don't need to do Mountain Dew and tequila. You You don't don't? need, you don't need to do Goldschlager and Dr. Pepper. Like there's actual, like there's a whole movement. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I would take him to bars and stuff and he was just thrilled to drink anything that wasn't watered down American beer. Denver. It would make sense of being some stuff in Denver. Yeah. Well, Boulder, especially. Okay. Boulder was like, because I was at University of Colorado Boulder when I was doing music journalism. And then I remember interviewing him on his tour bus and they were on their way to Denver in a snowstorm. And I was supposed to just be on the tour bus when it's stationary. And then all of a sudden Uh, it just started moving. That happened with like Dwarzaw. It happened uh, with, I want to say Marilyn Manson, but I don't think so. It happened with a few bands where I was just like, you're on, Oh, am I now (laughs) in the band? That's when I found out the rule that the girlfriends, Girlfriends and wives have yeah. the other bus, and the bands and the groupies have the one bus. And the other bus follows the first yeah. bus. Yeah. What are, what are they doing on the other bus? Well, wives don't always tour, but right. they'll like go sometimes for like a couple of cities. Yeah. If they're missing their husbands or boyfriends, and hadn't seen them in a while. I was happy for the space. Yeah. So when I dated musicians that were on tour, I'm like, see you in see, see you in four months. <laughs> I'm good. Which might be a testament to your uh, I mean, other, other skills. That's probably why I'm not good with dating people <laughs> who stay put, but yeah, it's, so I started music journalism and then I got into tech Yeah. Uh, when the internet started in like 90, like when it really started. So yeah, yeah. 94, five, yeah, yeah. Right, um, yeah. I was learning HTML. We got our radio station online. We we're one of the first college radio stations to be online. One of the mm-hmm. first college newspapers to be online as well because yeah. I was just teaching myself HTML and then I got a like a R&D division internship that turned into a job at Apple for eWorld. I don't know if you remember eWorld, but it yeah. was like their version of AOL with faceless tunic mm-hmm. wearing 
armless people. Sounds like a Bloomhouse movie, but it was like... You're right there at the center of this all. Yeah, and then when I moved to San Francisco in 96, I took a job with At Home Network, which Mm. was run by Will Hurst III. Mm. And I think it was because I was so obsessed... I don't want to say obsessed. Let's just say intrigued by the Mm. Hurst family because of their legacy... Um, and also yeah. Patty Hearst, Patty but also Hirsch, the like, news yeah. legacy and also just their Hollywood legacy. And they were a fascinating family, kind of like the Rockefellers or the Kennedys yeah. to me. So I took the job merely to work with him. That's sure. it. Yeah. And he was such a nice dude. He was like one of those eccentric rich guys that has vision mm-hmm. and also doesn't give a shit where a bad idea or a good idea comes yeah. from. So you could be the janitor, kind of like the flaming Cheetos guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Who came up with the flaming Cheetos guy was this Latino, uh, uh, Im- a son of an immigrant, uh, and he was a janitor working at Frito Lay, and he came mm-hmm. up with this because he thought Cheetos were bland, and he spiced it up and, and proposed, did a whole proposal to the CEO of the company, and that's how Flaming Cheetos. Yeah, they're going to make a movie out of it. Really, Eva uh, Longoria oh, is going to produce did, it. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, I did see that's that. That's why all the headlines, all the clickbait headlines, and I should say I wrote one of those <laughs> was. Flaming Cheetos, the movie, and everyone's like, "What? Chester Cheetah movie?" I'm like, "No, no, yep. no! It's a cool story." I fell for dude. that. Yeah, I was like, "Angry Birds, now this." Well, and now it's a real story. I mean, there are some really stupid movies. Out yes, there. absolutely. I mean, I never thought Tetris, Tetris needed to be a movie. I think that's a movie. Angry Birds, I get. It worked out. There's some storyline there. <laughs> some stuff there. But, but yeah, it, like some stuff. Uh, anyway, read, and I had read to, beyond the headlines. Kids. Yeah, so I moved out here, yeah. and I was like writing for Wired. I, I kind of moved from music to you, tech. Yeah, yeah. Because that's where money was. I didn't know how much you were in the tech side. A lot. So I went from at home. I was at at home network for five years. Uh, we got bought. Oh my god, this is such a sad. Get ready for the sad story. I want. This is what we want. We wanted to buy Yahoo, which at the time was untouchable. This pre Google, right? Okay. So they were like the kings of the internet. What we ended up merging with was Excite. Oh no! And I think it's because our buildings in Redwood City, Redwood City yeah, were right yeah. next to each other. I think it was like I'm convinced it so was a just, poker bet gone bad, because then we, we want, bought Blue Mountain cards for way too much money, where it was like really bad. Like there were some wow. good cards, like my friend Josh yeah, yeah. Ellingson, who's a really great artist and illustrator. He started there. That's how I met him, yeah, kind yeah. of. And uh, yeah, so it's like there's certain, That's, but it was a bad. Yeah, like excite. animated gift, like yeah. bad animated gift card company, and then the internet went down. Yeah, and I uh, got everyone got laid off then, and yeah. that was the first dot com boom in San Francisco before rent started skyrocketing. So that's yeah. when we're like, oh, I guess the internet's over. And I went to go work for organic gardening as a freelancer. I think I was writing for High Times, like I was writing for Just whatever, whatever paid well. Moved to Santa Cruz for a while. Learn to grow pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, I that learned. Right. I was doing horticulture because I wanted to it's, learn. It's just part of it to write better. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I'm just over justifying the situation uh, in Santa okay. Cruz. Sometimes you just need to live in Santa Cruz. <laughs> uh, and then I went to uh, work for Lucasfilm for ten years, which is where a lot of people might have first heard your name, even yeah. though they probably read your articles and didn't know. I mean, I did, I probably did too. You know, know, it was funny. It's like I did that job interview. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you, you're a big Star Wars fan, so I don't know if you want to know the ins and outs of how I got hired. I but do, it was well, weird. it's somewhat of a fascinating story because you told a little bit on a, on a convention panel we yeah. were on lately how yeah. you just kind of applied for something that was unnamed. It was uh, it was it was a Craigslist ad. Get out of here! It was before like LinkedIn, right? It's before yeah. you had like legit. I think <laughs> Monster.com was the only other job site. That was pretty early, yeah. Uh, but Craigslist was or uh, Craigslist was free. 
So a lot of companies would be like, especially San Francisco companies with big names. Yeah. They didn't want just a bunch of fanboys applying. They wanted legit people that were qualified. Right. And I wasn't qualified. Like I was a journalist and a writer. I wasn't a marketing person. And, and that it was, was kind the of job. A, well, it was touted as marketing. It actually ended up not being that. It was mm-hmm. the, you were basically hired to be a writer for IndianaJones.com because the DVD sets were coming out. Yeah, that's right. And StarWars.com because the prequels were happening. Yeah. And so uh, they just needed someone to, and I was doing a bunch of kids stuff, like kids books and things. And so I think right. they wanted someone with that pop culture sensibility, but could talk to a certain level and then StarWarsKids.com was still around. They got rid of it. It's back now. Back Whatever. It's always... Yeah, yeah. I mean, the internet's back and forth all the time. Yeah, yeah. So Sickly. I... Yeah, I applied... Poetry. I applied for this job thinking it was just a straight-up marketing job. And then I get the call. And this before you can see... This is before cell phones. Before cell phones. Okay, so I was going to say, what year? But with 2000? 2002. 2002. 2001, 2002. Okay. And I'm interviewing on the phone with, you know, the whole process where the right. like, recruiter talks to you first, make mm-hmm. sure you're not a nut job. Yeah. And then the recruiter may talk to you a second time, and then you talk to some staffers, then you talk to someone you would work with, and then you would talk to bigger people. Okay. And usually for the bigger people, they bring you in. So these were phone interviews. There's like, right. what would you do differently? Like an actual, blah, blah, blah. no Skype. Phone interviews. Phone. No Skype. Yeah. This pre-Skype. <laughs> I mean, this is the days of Friendster, my friend. Oh, yeah. This is like, I mean, it may even predate. I don't even know what Friendster, Friendster was about 2002 is when I signed up for Okay, so it was Friendster. But days. it might have been around. I feel like it was around. Like, I was on Facebook a couple years when it was like the Facebook. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, oh, this is a thing now. So, right. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine Bonnie Barton was an early Friendster. I was, I mean, I was early adapter for everything yeah. tech. So I, I try to tr- figure out my timeline of, mm. okay, think Friendster. And then I was maybe Live Journal and then MySpace. Right. And then MySpace like for a long time. And then I was I was reluctant Facebook. for Facebook because I, I was so too. pro MySpace. Cause so was I. It's a music. It was that's where I found new music and blah blah. My blah. profile page song was yeah. I, I changed it every day. I mean, when you know Facebook started because Zuckerberg just wanted to rate chicks. Yeah. It's like uh-huh. as a feminist, I was like, eh, I don't really uh-huh. know. So and then eventually you get into yeah. their stuff. But anyway, so the ad I a- applied for the job. Thinking I'd never get it because I had just broken up with some guy that I was really thinking I was going to start a life with and blah blah. Because I had worked at Nullsoft before that. You're all, this is your career, but you're. I know. Remember Winamp Player? Yeah. You could like have yes. skins for your little player. Oh and my stuff. god, Winamp! Yeah. yeah. So I I was there for a year and then AOL bought them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um gave us an ultimatum of we could all move to New York or we could stay here, but the New York salary was really crap. So I was like, yeah, I've been in New York on crap salad and I'm not doing that again. So I just decided I'm going to like, and I had a dog in tow. Like I felt like a single mom. Like I was like, I "I gotta do something. And I was still in Santa Cruz. So I was like, okay. Cause I was commuting back and forth from Santa Cruz to San Francisco. Cause that's where Nolsoff was. But the guy I was dating was in Santa Cruz. So I was like, okay, I need, I need a job. And so I just applied for everything. I was going back and forth with Google for months because Google takes forever even to, then, yeah. in their hiring process. Yeah. And it wasn't even like anything I wanted to do was Google ads. I just wanted to get my foot in the door. Right, right. So it'd be writing ad copy. And so anyway, I get the invite and they don't say Skywalker Ranch. They give you the address. address. And it was on Luca, Lucas Valley Road, which yep. ironically is not named after George nope. Lucas. It's after some pioneer right. that was like founded San Rafael and his last name was Lucas. And ironically, I mean, George did pick that area. Yeah. I mean, it was kismet because he's like, okay, I guess right. I have to, have to build do. here. 
And I was just like, Lucas Valley Road, that's interesting. I wonder, because I knew Skywalker was around there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I wonder, hmm. And then I show up at the kiosk and the guy was like, who are you, who are you here to interview with? I'm like, well, here's the name. Yeah. And he's like, well, do you know where you're at? And I'm like, well, here's the address. And he's like, all right, go on through. And I remember driving up and yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Wait, this looks familiar. Yeah. And uh, when I found out it was Lucasfilm, I just kind of laughed because I was yeah. like, oh, Oh, I get it. I'm the token. <laughs> I'm the woman they have to interview. So they say get, they interviewed check it a off woman. An HR box. Yeah, because I got there and like mm. the lobbies, like there's maybe five dudes who mm. look like you cut them and midichlorian spill out. <laughs> you know, or blue milk, depending Both. on depending on good which, mixture. What you believe in more. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, well, I'm never gonna get this job sure. because like I knew Star Wars as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, I knew Indiana Jones actually more than Star Wars because okay. I loved Indiana Jones a lot. And so I was kind of obsessed with that yeah, as yeah, a kid. Yeah. I was obsessed with Star Wars as a kid, but not to the level where I read all the comics and read all the books and did all the video sure. games. So I was like, well, these guys are all going to be gonna way ahead it. of me. So I get interviewed. And when you interview for a job thinking you're never going to get it, you yeah. kind of relax when you think this yes. is never going to happen. Pressure's off. Yeah. That's and, great advice, by the way. Yeah. And also when I went back for the second, cause I almost didn't go back for the second interview. Cause I'm like, this is pointless. They're mm, never going to hire me. But yeah. my ex at the time, I think I was a little mad at him and I knew he loved Star Wars. So I kind of <laughs> just wanted to go to be like, well, I've been at Skywalker Ranch. I'm going to hang out with George. You're never going to go there. <laughs> so I think out of spite and also curiosity, um, oh, totally. because I was just like, I'd never worked for a movie studio before. I've only worked for news or yeah. news companies or tech or publishing. So I was just like, okay, what's, what is this weird yeah. like thing? And so, and there was a Yoda statue out front. And I remember I like kissed him on his head for good luck. And the receptionist would crack up every time I do that. Like it was like a <laughs> very weird Blarney stone moment. And uh, I think I just used my sense of humor. Cause also I did stand up for a long time. Yeah. I call it secret stand up. Secret stand- yeah. you mentioned that you didn't tell anyone. No. Cause that's not what I wanted to do as a career. I wanted to be a writer and I want to do comedy writing. So I would and work that- out my comedy writing and I hated improv. Yeah. Cause I always felt like the backup singer to Diana Ross. Cause there's always one dude who thinks he's going to be on SNL. It yes. does not matter if you yes. are in New York or if you yep. are in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, yep. if you're in an improv, it's almost like waiting for Guffman. You're in an improv oh, God, group. Yes. There is always one dude it's, who thinks he's like Belushi and you're like, you are not Belushi. You will never be Belushi. I can tell you from years of groundlings training, I was not that guy. I Thank sat in the you. corner staring at Thank him. Thank you. And, uh, it's always also the guy who's always playing guitar badly at every party. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I can confirm none of them got the SNL. The ones that did no. never felt like they were going. Right. To. Well, I know where they went. Yeah. When I got my first uh, traffic school moment where I had to go to traffic school for <laughs> speeding, they're all teaching traffic school. It's, it's and I went it. to one and I remember it was a guy I was in improv with because I did improv very briefly. Yeah. And then I was like, well, this is not, not I want to, I'll turn into a serial killer I can, if I stay here. I, I can't like, see you wearing a primary color shirt and some no, khakis. And the, and the yes and yes. was bugging the fuck out of me. I'm like, just. <laughs> Just go with it. You don't have. So anyway, uh, it was this guy I was doing improv with and I remember him being a total jackass. Yeah. And I went to let us amuse you and they had a head of lettuce and it was the traffic. That was the name of the traffic class. In a bad conference room in a Marriott yes. over in San Rafael, because of course I got the speeding ticket going back and forth to Lucasfilm, yeah. uh, Skywalker Ranch in San Francisco. There's a lot of patches that you need to. It's a long. You want to yeah. race your little. Yeah car on and i just remember seeing him and i was like i'm just gonna heckle this fool so i was i turned it into improv like it was supposed to be 
It was, it was your like ticket, mystery, your ticket hangs in the balance. Nah, I was no. just like, this is going to be mystery science theater nice. traffic school edition. And it was, it was anyway. So yeah. I, I, uh, I think that interview with Lucasfilm, I just was myself and I was like, I'm never going to get this. So I'm sure. just going to relax. Um, yeah. I didn't get to interview with George. I don't know why people think that would ever happen. I, but I mean, I would imagine in like 1978, that might be the case. May, but, I don't even think that. You know, I think he just had people there. He just had people. But no, it was a, you know what? I was there for 10 years. Mm. I learned a lot about yeah. movie making. I learned a lot about marketing and PR. I learned a lot about politics. Yeah. Uh, towards the end, it felt a little like House of Cards meets Hunger Games. Yeah. But again, Disney was on the horizon. We all knew it. And I just, I kind of got, I don't, I don't want to really get too bitter about it, but I kind of got sure. pushed out, but I also maybe for my own good. Yeah. Because also I wasn't, I was drinking my own Kool-Aid, so to speak, mm-hmm. but I think when you're at a company that long and you're young, mm-hmm. I mean, all my thirties were at that Where company. Okay. You date within the company, your right. family's within the company you're doing long hours, like maybe 10 hour days. If you're at LucasArts, it's like you sleep overnight there. You know, it's gaming kids, but like work to the bone. And you just, your whole life is that place. And you don't turn into a fanboy or fangirl necessarily because when I was there, the rule was they didn't hire those people because they didn't want people to rush up to George and try to touch him or something. clip his hair. I don't know. Take his sandwich out of the trash and cover it in resin and sell it on eBay. I passed him once at the Grove. I tell the story. I passed him once in the Grove. No one saw it was him, but he was talking to some someone that he was with, like a, a friend or something. Yeah. And I brushed by and I yeah. thought, I didn't tackle him. I passed the test. Yeah. It's like Ladrigal uh, in the ring. I was oh, like, well, oh, I, I'm, I didn't I didn't pull him. I, I just want to talk to you. I just was like, I'm going to let him live his yeah, life. Yeah, that robot chicken thing with the nerd kid who yes. gets in the elevator with him and freaks out. That's his life. Like that's, yeah, I'm sure. So I, there's rules. <laughs> there's rules in the orientation book at Lucasfilm that I think every year I did something so crazy that they had to add, <laughs> add, add a the, weird rule. Like no, no crafting in the dailies rooms. Like yeah, don't, don't accidentally dump glitter that Michael Bay could sit in when he's <laughs> looking at transformers and then i think another one was Bonnie no clauses. no taxidermy <laughs> no don't try to smuggle you, in a deer head stuffing ferrets what are you doing i i well they put me in my own office eventually because yeah. i was so distracting yeah. to everybody so they're like just lock, just sequester lock quar- Bonnie away. quarantine her will you and i had my own office and i yeah. like decorated it like a wampa pit once and yeah um scared the janitors because i had a mannequin hide like uh, hanging from the ceiling probably looked like I was hanging from the ceiling. Like but those are the kind of offices I would want to see. At Lucas well, this Stone. is the rule I found out later. I don't know if it was John Knoll or Dennis yeah. Murin told me, or somebody said, uh, yeah, there's all these rules about, you can't have Christmas lights up your own. You can't have lava lamps. You can't have, you can't decorate your office like crazy, like a, you know, a practical right. effect set. Um, unless you win an Oscar. Oh, uh, well, there's the, goal. and I was like, of course, okay, Dennis Murray. It's like, or Ben Burt. Like I was like, yeah, Ben <laughs> Burt was using like his for door stops. Like I think John Knowles, <laughs> I don't know if it was John Knoll or Murin or yeah. Gaillette or one of those effects guys. Cause all those ILM guys are constantly winning Oscars cause sure. they yeah. are groundbreaking work yeah, absolutely. or the sound design guys. Right. right. And I was just like, I'm sure they're just rolling around in the back of their gremlin or what. I, I don't know why they would drive a gremlin, but you know, Prius, whatever. <laughs> no, I want to see Ben Burton and gremlin right? with sound Oscars rolling ben around. Ben Burton and I have like a weird connection <laughs> because Lucasfilm does a yearbook every year. I don't yeah. know if they still do with Disney in charge, but mm-hmm. we had a yearbook every year. And it was great because it was great to look up what people you were going to be in meetings with. So you know what they look like, you know, who's in charge and who's the assistant, that sort of thing. And I mean, I treat everybody the same, but that's probably why I'm still not there. But um, 
Anyway, That's then Bert funny. and I were right next to each other in your butt because okay. I'm Burton, Burton and he's Burton, Bert. Bert. Yeah. So it was always. <laughs> Did they make you? It was like class photo day. Yeah. Well, they take one photo of you for your ID. Sure. And they use that picture. Okay. So for 10 That's years, fun. I had the same picture, which was great because it uh, looked like I never aged. Yeah. It didn't look like the stress had turned it's, me into a monster. My driver's license is my picture at 26. I get yeah, looks. It now. was awesome. Yeah. Well, sir, yeah, your son's license is here. Please. Yeah. When I go through TSA, they're like, you don't look anything. I'm like, be a writer. <laughs> be a writer in LA. Let me tell <laughs> you, you won't look anything like, <laughs> but anyway, I learned a lot from Lucasfilm. I made mm. some really great lifelong friends. Um, I have a zillion George stories because yeah. I never paid attention to the rules. The rule was you're never supposed to talk to him unless he talks to you first. We were in elevators together all the time and I would be like talking yeah. about everything. I wish him happy birthday. He and my dad got cowboy boots made by the same dude. Nice. So I would always talk to him about cowboy boots. Um, I think at Seth Green's wedding, mm-hmm. we struck up a conversation because Seth Green got married at Skywalker Ranch. Right. He's the only one that ever got Really? Officially. I mean, yeah. Kevin Smith smuggled in a minister when he was oh, yeah, yeah, doing yeah. sound on one of his movies and got yeah, married yeah. to Skywalker illegally, illegally, which it sounds even kind of cooler yeah, to have yeah, an illicit yeah, wedding. Yeah, yeah, an actual <laughs> Kevin Smith, of <laughs> yeah. course, would get an illicit wedding. But no, it. I George was like the nicest guy. I've worked for a lot of nice guys of Hollywood, like sure. Stan Lee, right. uh, who I worked for later after Lucasfilm. And... Um, I've just come across these people that are just kind of royalty of yeah. Hollywood that are nice. That don't don't see themselves as that. Well, like, you know, George has a dry sense of humor. So yeah. anytime he tells a joke, people that work for him that yeah. aren't necessarily secure in their job situation <laughs> don't know whether they should laugh or not. And he's got a very dry kind of British sense of humor. Yeah. But he's also a very quiet dude. You don't know when he's in the room. Whereas when he would have his director friends over at, at Lucasfilm, because we moved to Presidio in 2005. So you, uh, That's right, yeah. I was trying to remember when they went there. Yeah, you, so the so headquarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. so it was back and forth from Skywalker to Presidio right. quite a bit. But most of us were at Presidio after 2005. And he would have his, like, whoever director was in town, either doing sound for their movies at Skywalker Sound, right. or just in general, they were in San Francisco for a premiere or whatever, he would have them over to the Presidio and show them around and sure. take them to the gift shop and, you know, all this <laughs> stuff. And so I would run into Del Toro, Spike Lee. Like, oh, I remember wow. when I crossed paths with Spike Lee, crossing, like, a hallway, and he was coming towards me. And I was just, I was like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I was, like, quoting, she's got to have it. <laughs> Like, come on, baby, come on, baby, come on. Baby. Like, I just whispered it. Yeah, yeah. And he chuckled when he, like, walked past me. I'm like, okay, I did it. Like, because I'm like, uh, you know, there's certain people you don't want to cross, like Michael Bay. Sure. Or, like, let's just call them temperamental, emotional directors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then yeah. there's other directors that are just yeah. super nice, but they would come through and you yeah. would see them in the... Get, main area like Scorsese or Coppola was there all the time, obviously. Still and, up there, yeah. Um, you know, there's people that would just come through and say, "Hey, Spielberg." Uh, when you go to the top floor of Lucasfilm at Presidio, yeah. there's an office that has the name tag on the door that says both. I think it's both George Lucas and Spielberg. Wow! So when Spielberg would come by, they could just it's, hang out in that office space. Yeah, it was what weird. A crazy it thing. was weird. Yeah. I had the lobby see Spike Lee with a gift bag of Yoda dolls from the gift shop. I don't know, you know? if he ever bought anything. <laughs> like, I don't know why he he might have been there for like a retreat because he yeah. Skywalker always had writer retreats and director right, right. retreats and stuff. But I don't know why Spike was there for anything. I don't think it was to talk red tails because yeah. he decided to pass on that, which of course was the Tuskegee Airmen African American mm-hmm. movie. Which was a great movie, but it just the marketing, I think it just didn't yeah. quite hit where it needed to be. I think it was also a movie that would have done really well now. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. But back then, I think that was, what, 2013? I just don't mm-hmm. think people were... 
Yeah. Ready, right? either ready for it or what? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was right after I left. So I okay. got rehired briefly by Rick McCallum to do social media and help with the marketing on Red Tails. Was Rick chewing gum when he called you? All the time. I love Rick. It's like you find out real quick with Rick if you're on his good side or bad side, but I was always on his good side. Thank God. Um, and he would, if he likes you, he calls you Sparky. Sparky. I can I mean, see that. Think of how many people he has to meet a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he remembered my name, I would just be in shock because I mean, he's not because he's forgetful, just because mm. he comes across so many other people. Like I doubt yeah. George knew my name. Yeah. George knew me from the color of my hair that, that, year. that year. So it was either purple hair, blue hair, pink. And his kids were nice to me. I think yeah. Katie and I got along really well. Right. And so I think cause his kids liked me. Um, I was, you know, That's he tried, awesome. he tried hard to remember who I was, but I kept changing my hair color. Cause I was convinced which if one, I do something wrong, yeah, yeah. You just change hide. it, just change your hair color. You they won't hide. know. They won't know. But no, I loved working at Lucasfilm. It yeah. was, um, it was a trip. But you learned a lot. Learned a lot. You know, it and how, how much did you learn about yourself towards the end too? I know, I know, you know jobs what? can come and go I learned and problems more happen. more about myself after I was let go. Cause it yeah, wasn't. Yeah wasn't fired. I was laid off and I, I can't yeah. really talk about it because NDA sure. legal and I don't, don't have any to. money for lawyers. I don't either. But it was a bad situation where a new management came in All right. and we just did not see eye to eye. Yeah. And I got pushed out because he just didn't like me. You know what happens? It, yeah, it yeah. happens in tech all the time. Sure. When you're a woman, it happens all the time all because the time. someone's like, Hey, I want, I want my bros in here. Yeah, yeah. And so they'll find a way to lay you off in California. They can fire you for any reason. They can lay you off for any reason. It doesn't right. have to be, it could be anything. Yeah, yeah. So lawsuits are hard to mm-hmm. do. And so I was like, I also, you know, it was a, a weird situation where it was just a dude and I did not get along a new boss and I all, before then, I was lucky enough to either impress or be friends with or at least have a good relationship with all my bosses yeah. and people that um, could protect me from other VPs that were thinking, oh, she's too much of a talkative too one. Too much. <laughs> she's a little too... Like, I just remember I would get points docked on my performance reviews for being aggressive or too talkative, too emotional. And the same thing that my guy counterparts would do, it would be assertive leadership, willingness to speak out because they're dudes. Yeah. yeah. And this is something the base level thing. Yeah. uh, And I used to be, we don't see, I used to be super bitter about that because it happens in the music industry. It happens in um, tech, especially gaming. (laughs) And you just, as a woman, you Mm. just get tough skin Mm. or you get real bitter and turn into like, vengeance Mm -hmm. lady, which I don't have the time for. So I was just like, I learned more about myself after I was let go Mm -hmm. because it's so devastating. And I was like, I don't know what my life is before Lucasfilm. So I had to like reinvent myself. Uh, I took some time off. I went to go work for uh, Rev3, which Mm -hmm. was a YouTube channel that uh, Kevin Rose started, like the, the guy started dig. Mm. and uh, they got bought by Discovery Channel, uh, and then everybody got gutted. I was starting yeah. to feel like the typhoid Mary of companies after a while, because that happened in the tech industry, Anything, where I was like, okay, I'm here at this Ted tech McGinley. company. You're yeah. the Ted McGinley of sitcom world? Well, yeah, first yeah. I thought, this is a good racket, because if you get in a good tech company, and they get bought out, and everyone gets laid off, you get decent severance. Yeah. 
And then I was like, oh, like I remember being at Nullsoft and when AOL bought us and kicked us out, I got more severance than great- I did at the job before that. And I was barely there. It was there like a year. This is the best strategy I've I ever heard like, for employment. I was like, this is great. Yeah. Get a job, get bought out. I know. I'm like, what's, what's another, what's another company that looks like it's just a pump and dump yeah. tech company. Yeah. And when I got Lucasfilm though, that's when I was like, oh, I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah. There have been people there like Dennis Murin and Noel yeah. and Matt Wood who had been yeah. there since like birth. Yeah. And so, um, and they really treat their people well. Okay. Um, if you play the game, mm-hmm. if you don't rock the boat, and I didn't understand that. I was always a rock the boat kind of person. I was always the do it and then ask for Apology. forgiveness yeah, later. Yeah. And then a lot of times it worked out great for me, but towards the end, I think people were just so nervous about the Disney merger mm-hmm. that I was too much of a liability. Maybe. You, I don't know. You're upset Uncle Bob Iger. Well, I never did anything bad. Like yeah. I never went on social and like went on a, verbal bender. Like I never did any of that. And I was in charge of their social from beginning. Like I was Mm -hmm. doing everything. And, uh, as well as editing starwars.com, the blog, I was doing the kids section. I did crafts and drawing tutorials with like, I got in like individual different artists to do stuff. And it was, and I, I always wanted the fans represented on the site because of five of first rebel legion, R two builders, but also just fans, just normal fans that weren't part of any organization. I would always profile them. Um, we were the first site to have blogs for users. Yeah, um, you also listed all the podcasts for yeah, a long time. Yeah, we were the first yeah. movie studio to do webcams on the set. I mean, we didn't have right. sound because we didn't give it. We didn't want to give anything away. But sure. we were on the set for Attack of the Clones and for I think Attack of the Clones yeah, or definitely yeah. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I remember some of that. And Clone Wars, you know, I was really tight with Filoni and those guys. Mm. So it was. It was a fun time to be at Lucasfilm, but towards yeah. the end, I think with the merger, I think also with George leaving, I didn't really, yeah, George time. to me was the heart of Lucasfilm and yeah. Star Wars will live on forever. And what your thoughts are about Lucas, regardless, the yeah. guy's a vision, visionary yeah. and a nice dude to work for. And it's good to hear though. And I really enjoyed any time I spent with him, even mm-hmm. if it was like talking about cowboy boots or wishing him a happy birthday or joking about some robot chicken thing. Yeah. Um, he was a really nice guy. I say the same thing about Stan Lee. Stan Lee was more like a grandfather character mm-hmm. because he, I remember going to Comic-Con in the nineties Wow, yeah. when there weren't a lot of people. Yeah, no, it, was, it wasn't. And if you were one of the few girls in line to see Stan Lee to get something autographed, he would point you out and have him sit with them. Really? Yeah. Because he'd be like, cause he knew that the gr- there's hardly any girls there. Yeah. It was like, he was a safe, I don't want to say a safe Hugh Hefner cause Hugh Hefner was pretty safe, but uh, like yeah. I wrote for Playboy, like it's like I, I've oh, known, wow. you did, you, yeah. yeah, briefly. Brief. I wrote for Mark, um, yeah. who's gone on to write for Castle Rock, and yeah, yeah. he's like a TV. He does the smogcast with uh, Kevin Smith. Yeah, well, Bernard, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, George was like this nice, quiet guy. Stanley, nice, quiet guy too. But it's just mm. like I, I feel very lucky yeah. to have stumbled into companies that yeah. I have no business being there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I end up getting to be there and do some really fun, groundbreaking yeah. stuff. And then I think it, at Lucasfilm, I probably, in all honesty, I probably should have left earlier when I saw the writing on the wall. Right, Instead right. of waiting to be pushed out, I should have kind of taken a little bit more control over my own fate and left of my own accord. Instead, like, know oh, when to leave a party. 
totally. I think that's great advice because I've I've stuck around many a work situation yeah. that you're like, ah, oh, I gotta I, I gotta roll uh. out. But you know what? The drive's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you it's know like what? when do you leave a successful band? Yeah. Do you wait until you OD? Right. Do you wait until lead singer dies? Do you wait till you're on a bus wreck? Do you wait yeah. until everybody hates each other and they all have to take separate tour buses? Yeah. Like what part do you want to be in Depeche Mode? You know, what yeah. part do you want to be in Metallica? Like it's <laughs> what version of Journey do you want to see? I mean, be the lead singer? Right? But it because even even my life recently, it's just some things I've been associated with for a long time. It's like uh, I think that chapter closed and I love every second of that chapter. But the chapters do close. Chapters but close. I think what you are talking about, what you learned at the end of Lucasfilm, without going into specifics, but yeah. just of like, hey, this is my identity, including romantic relationships, yeah. professional relationships, everything. Ah, who am I outside of that? And mm-hmm. you get your maybe in some way or another, you get kicked out. Uh, either, even you know your choice or not. But I mean, yeah. I don't mean kicked out literally, but just like, oh, we're tossed out of the plane. Yeah. I got to pull a parachute or not. I mean, I had friends that were at Apple for a long time or they're Mm. at tech companies that were, you know, Mm. names or they were at companies like uh, Blizzard or Mm. EA or whatever, you know, wherever you're at, Warner Brothers were that because, but Lucasfilm was a family and Lucasfilm was a solitary one thing. I mean, obviously Indiana Jones, you throw that into there. Sure. But for the most part, it was Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. And everyone knows it. And you could yeah. be at any country, and if you say work, at, you work at Lucasfilm, you got an in. But also, yeah. people just want to talk about Star Wars everywhere. Like anytime yeah. anyone says, you know, how are how are you so good at going to parties and talking to strangers? I'm like, just bring up that Ewoks eat people, and you will have a discussion. <laughs> you will have a good discussion yeah. with a stranger. Like I I talk to Lyft drivers about Star Wars and stuff. Like yes. it's like it's Same a constant. Here. Star Wars is a unifying thing and everyone's got an opinion on Star Wars. And if oh, they've they never seen Star Wars, yeah. that's even better because then I say, oh, you need to start with the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> start there. That's the beginning because of Because then all. everything's great. Then you can't <laughs> yeah, then, be like prequels suck or whatever. It's, it's like, no, 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 no. You start with the holiday yeah. special, then everything's ru- coming up Millhouse after that. Everything's <laughs> coming up Millhouse. Everything's great. But yeah, like I, and you, I mean, you did, and you did social during a time where I'm sure you had to deal with some things, you know, there's you know the what? Era. most of the time. I mean, I would say social now is the shit show, yeah, but in the beginning it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, Instagram was like, Hey, yeah. check out this fancy burrito. I'm, I'm with gold leaf that I'm eating or Hey, check yeah. out this cocktail or Hey, look at my pets or, yeah. and Twitter was mostly just people sharing. Like yeah, it yeah, was yeah. just like, Hey, I'm into this. I'm into like world war two reenactment. What do you would do? Like, it was almost <laughs> like, cause I was on the internet the very beginning with Usenet yeah. and IRC and the well. Okay. So to me it was always about, That's and I've bad. always been a community. Like I mostly, if I wasn't a writer, I was a community, community manager, manager yeah. or now they call it audience development. Um, fancy. Or social media strategy or whatever. <laughs> so they always make up a name that sounds yeah. more interesting. Like it it's, cracks me up when I see social media teams. Cause I'm like, you do know, like I did all, all, all of it. it for Lucasfilm for years. It's, I didn't it's need a speak. team. Yeah. It's corporate speak. We're going to ideate some. Uh, oh my God. I didn't even yeah. schedule shit. I was like up at 4am posting really? stuff and 5am for Europe. Like I was like, I don't, I don't trust this bot. I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, you know, at the beginning, social media was, really exciting as a journalist too, because you could talk to people in Romania or Pakistan or, you know, you get actual first person accounts of things 
or you could talk to any expert at any university. All you have to do is email them and interview them. And it was such a great tool as a journalist to do things. Like I do a lot of entertainment reporting, but to be honest, I love science reporting too. And I, I mean, I just wrote about a university of Richmond news study or a science study about rats being trained to drive tiny little cars to get to fruit loops. And they figured out that rats are much smarter than they, we thought they were. I saw your story. I mean, it wasn't like a rats and nim situation, but it was definitely like, you know, it was pretty cool. (laughs) And I got to, you know, you get to interview the people in university of Richmond, but also uh, San Paulo, you know, for snake study or whatever. So I feel like for journalism and also making this huge world smaller and more accessible it was great unfortunately because now you can talk to anyone any way you want you know in the beginning etiquette netiquette as it was called yes was important to everybody yeah now it's a fucking free-for-all now it's like literally people yelling at you from down the street interview like i always call twitter a party full of people that constantly inter interrupt your discussions oh yeah um and sometimes it's great sometimes i get funny people that chime in with an animated gif or whatever or hey you like this horror film have you checked out this horror film like i've learned a lot from people but let's just say i'm mute at least 20 people a day (laughs) (laughs) and i wish i could do that in real life but for the internet but that's the thing it's like a lot of us have um and isn't related to say just star wars or anything which is yeah like muting or blocking, we have this netiquette kind of yeah. creeps into our brains. Well, we're also old. We're, yeah. So I, we actually care about manners. Yeah, so it's like, oh, I, I don't I don't want to block this person. Right. They might feel bad for calling me names. Like, I'm not uh, going to yeah. call someone an asshole because they yeah. liked Aquaman and I didn't or something. Right, right, Like, right. I'm never going to do that. But so then when, once you get to it, once you mute a little bit, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. I don't need this toxicity. Oh, I mute everybody. It's yeah. kind of like when that Black Mirror episode with John Hamm came out where you could actually mute people in real life yeah, yeah. and you don't hear them or see their face. I'm like, why can't that this, be a real we, thing? We could be three years away from I that. I mean, granted, I just had to go through jury duty and trust me, that whole courtroom would have just been a blob. It would just been muted. <laughs> me being the only one I could hear yeah. myself talking. That's all um, right. That's all right. That's yeah, I, I called jury duty. I used to call going to jury duty live action. Uh, I used to call it I usually call it law and order LARPing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now it feels like interactive Twitter. Now it feels like yes. Twitter in the real world. Oh, that's the best. Where it's just people don't that's, have a filter. They don't understand no, they manners. Do the they don't think before they speak. And I think a lot of that is social media has taken away this level of um, just both manners, but also really just critical thinking. And I think now totally. it's just like everyone is just saying that whatever pops into their brain, mm-hmm. they tweet it and they don't really think about it first. Yeah. And I've fallen victim to that. I've said some pretty yeah. stupid stuff, but then also there's a lot of reactionary people and, and especially, you know, this as a comedian. Right. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you say something that you think is funny, someone's going to be offended. Yeah. And you just have to like, we live in a woke world where, you know, we're both white. Yeah. I'm half Italian. So I like to think I'm not totally white, <laughs> but I'm goth. So I am totally, white, totally white, but, but I'm also a woman yeah. and I'm bi. Yeah. So I feel like so, the bi <laughs> on the gay spectrum means nothing. nothing no, so okay. it's kind of like, yeah. but now a 16 year old just like bi splained me. So I'm actually pan. So I'm like, 
I'm Lando, basically. You're I would. I married a robot. Married a droid. Yeah, right. I actually did marry R two D two as a publicity stunt for Lucasfilm. Well, then then you're good. At like one of the celebrations, and Jezebel covered it because Adrian Curry was yes. my maid of honor, and she was dressed in an all latex imperial uh-huh. uh, uniform. Kind of remember that. And it was. I think the headline was "Fat Girl Marries R two D 2 and I'm like, Wow. Wait, thanks, Jezebel. Wow. <laughs> it, it may not have been that headline. It was like crazy girl <laughs> marries R two D two, but all the comments were like. R2 would never marry a fat chick. And I'm like, R2 would totally marry a fat chick. I, I wasn't even fat. I don't, I don't know if my, I was you, just and curvy. You're not, I'm and a curvy. Not, uh, at R2, I don't know if R2 would be tied down. It's the problem. Well, I no, have. we have an open source marriage. <laughs> so he Perfect. dates other droids. I date other humans. humans. Technically, I haven't really Twi'leks. dated other humans. Yeah. I probably prefer to date other droids, to be honest. It'd be comforting. C-3PO and I have a weird relationship. Don't we all? Very, I mean. Don't we all with 3PO? Did you like the new trailer? I love the new trailer. I, I actually, you know what? C-3PO I've always hated until that trailer. Well. And then I'm like, oh, that's, I, but that's, that's so sweet. Because everyone, including in, in our pal, our mutual pal, Joseph Scrimshaw, yeah. pointed this out on Force Center, and others have said it too, but Joseph was really clear, like, even... The people we look up to, yeah, Leia, Han, Luke, all kind of take shots at three PO during all the movies. Well, he's so whiny. Yeah, I mean, he's whinier than a Skywalker. He, he is, right? And they're whiny. They're whiny. They're whiny. That's yeah. built into the DNA. And to have this moment where, like, he's still taking all that abuse, and he's still like, "You're all my friends." It's kind of like I feel a little guilty. But also, how many times has he had to be repaired? A lot. What's the warranty on that droid? It's uh, it's past. <laughs> Seriously, it's I mean, past. I know Anakin built him to yeah. last. Yeah. But how many times has he been blown up, put in a backpack, carried by Chewbacca? <laughs> like, by I want to know what Chewbacca was saying. Like, I really wish the new Star Wars movie would have subtitles for Chewbacca and R2 <laughs> so you actually know what they're saying. And I know that R2 is probably telling C-3PO to shut oh, up so many times. I love that YouTube video that was I saw. We, it's word, all expl- it's we, all him just it, it's cursing. cursing. Yeah. And then, like, I remember thinking, well, that wouldn't really be the case. But then you watch the movie and you're like, yeah. oh, no, he's cussing up a storm well, at 3PO. Well, ironically, in the original scripts uh, for Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh Chewbacca's what he's saying is translated is in the Chris because it's, it's in the scripts because it's Shiruk that he's speaking, yeah. and but they actually put it in English. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't know if they did that for the holiday special, but I do think they did that for Star Wars Empire. And I was just <laughs> well, they was, needed for the holiday special because there's like 20 uh, minutes of sheer woke beans. Book. I mean, okay. So I know your listeners are going to be like, okay, I hate this girl already because she lives nah. at the holiday special. I wrote a huge thing on CNET mm-hmm. called In Defense of the Holiday Special, I, which I you re- can read I if remember. you want to know all the points. Yeah. But I, we were a generation of variety shows where yeah. we were oh, kids yeah. when Donny Osmond, the Osmond show, the band Mandrell sisters. I, I, you, you said I, I, my dad and I, our routine was watching the Muppet show and then going into the Mandrell yeah. sisters, or maybe it was the other way around. And but, they did comedy yeah. and they did skits and yep. they did, and same with the Carol Burnett show. I learned more comedy chops. Like yeah. I learned more about comedy, I think mm-hmm. from, and there was some comedy with Mandrell and the Dolly Parton show. And yeah, obviously yeah. Sunny and Cher, there was some comedy, but I learned more from the Carol Burnett show. So I loved those like Harvey and Harvey Corman, Tim, um, Tim Conway, like all those people, Lawrence, yeah. all of them, they were Jedi masters of comedy Absolutely. at the height of when comedy was really taking a turn yeah. of, do we keep it gritty? Do we keep it profanity yeah. filled? Do we keep it like vaudeville? And they hired some of those actors. Like I still wish, I love that B. Arthur's in the holiday special. Oh, I love it. But I do kind of wish Carol Burnett had gotten a part because they did have Conway. They did have yeah, like, yeah. these people that were icons on the Burnett show on mm-hmm. holiday special. I mean, it was interesting to see some of the old timey. 
like Carney, or Carney being on the holiday special. Yeah. Diane Carroll, mm-hmm. he just passed Rest away. She was singing. One of the coolest things I ever saw mm-hmm. in the archives, which yeah. is at, at Skywalker, where they have all the props. All of it. And you can, a lot of these props, they are, I'm sure, are going to be at the L.A., George Lucas Museum. Yeah, George has taken some stuff out here. Yeah. Right, but they are, they're always on tour. They're either in a science museum or a fashion museum okay. or whatever. So you can see a lot of these things in your mm-hmm. own town when they go on tour. But I saw the Bob Mackie mm-hmm. costumes that were worn for the Star Wars holiday special and Mala. Yeah. So like Chewie's family. Yeah. I saw those costumes there and I was Chewy? just like touching. Well, first of all, touching a Bob Mackie. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah oh, and the it. Captain EO stuff. I know it's not. Uh, to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, Michael yeah, Jackson, but, but those Captain Neo costumes is, yeah. were amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the holiday special served a special purpose for me as a kid because I love that. we were hungry for Star Wars. Yes. I mean, after you see Star Wars, and we were Give also in a world where mm. you could still see Star Wars on a big screen for years. Yep. Because it yep. wasn't a world now where movies only get what a week. Yeah, maybe yeah, sometimes. if they're lucky, month run, two month run. We would get ones. year runs. Yeah. and I saw it at the drive-in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the drive-in theater. It's technically, where I saw it first. I, I mean, don't remember, but yeah. Seeing if you if you have a drive-in theater or a nighttime kind of theater, I don't know. I'm yeah. sure there's like pop-up hipster stuff all over the place now. You know. But if you can see Star Wars outside at yeah. night, it's great because you see the universe of Star Wars. And then if you can and get then, far away from the city where there's stars in the sky, yeah. it's seamless. Oh, and as yeah. a little kid, you think, right? It's the same guy. So we were so starving for Star Wars, yep. anything that's why yes. we watch the holiday special. But that's uh, it's why also, you know, the Ewok movies and the droids cartoon, it's yeah. kind of fell into that same thing of, well, the Ewoks, give me more, give I me mean, more. I mean, I love the droids and there was an animated Ewok cartoon yeah. as well. Yeah. But the live action Ewok stuff was even creepier. When you remember, <laughs> you have to remember they ate, they did eat people. Han Solo was not put over the fire to keep warm. He yeah. was a hot pocket. Exactly. A Han pocket. I, it always made me nervous. Why did they have a dress ready for Leia, but no other humans were around? Like, did they eat that other woman that had the Leia dress? Potentially. Or did she escape? <laughs> this is the like, question. Like, was she last like. girl horror yeah, film? Yeah, she's last horror Like, I'm girl. waiting for that horror film to be developed. The Ewok's last I mean, girl. I still want Death Troopers to be uh, made into a movie. The zombie. The zombie. Zombie Star ones Wars from the stuff. book, yeah, yeah, from yeah the Legends yeah. book, yeah. But yeah, I, Ewoks are dangerous little They're creatures, absolutely. and they could eat you. And there's yeah. actually recipes, I think, in some of the EU books of stormtrooper stew, where no. they literally just decapitate the stormtrooper no. and cook the head inside the helmet, no. and then eat it like right out of the helmet. It's like those mug cakes. <laughs> You get the microwave. Yeah, or it's, it's a clam chowder and a bread bowl. Just, I should have uh, warned to your listeners no, how many no, things I'm going to ruin nope, for them. This is where we're going. We're going No one's going to eat a mug cake we're going now. Here. Uh, <laughs> let's go to after Lucasfilm. You, you, this, you're talking about the self-discovery. You're now in L.A. You're making yeah. these changes. So, all right. So when, at what point do you go, all right. I am not Lucasfilm. I am Bonnie Burton. Yeah. And what I want to do. And where do you, and you're still tackling things like we all are. Yeah. The journey's never over. I and what I admire about you, which you, what I already knew, but what you're even adding to is just, you go into a lot of different places. Let me try this. I might not be good for that, but I'm going to try and yeah. I'm going to figure it out. Here's the thing. You get one life. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't care if you believe in past lives or afterlife or whatever, but this is the life you got now. Right now. And, um, you get one body, one brain, one life. Mm-hmm. So h- however you want to deal with that, my body situation, I'm not necessarily drinking green juice. I'm drinking sure. like coffee right now. And I don't necessarily go for long jogs. Like yeah. I haven't gotten into the LA health fitness health. routine yet. Cause I'm still a writer. 
<laughs> you know, our health routine is us if reminding ourselves to get up and drink water, 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 not just coffee yeah. and tea. Um, no, I moved down here. I was in San Francisco since '96. Wow, that's some and I moved here last year and San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, that, that could be a whole other podcast that about how San Francisco changed. When I moved yeah. there, you could get a studio apartment for 500 bucks and you could go mm. to an all night Walgreens and have a really great conversation with a drag queen right. over in the candy aisle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, now it's all, I would say a, a mass. I mean, there's still some holdouts. I've yeah. got some friends that have rent control that are not and leaving until leaving. it burns to the ground. Yeah. Or they were smart enough to buy real estate when it was relatively yeah. cheap esque. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But now it's like Those Tesla's adults. Tesla's intense. Yeah. So you're either super rich or super homeless. Yeah. And then there's, uh, I think, and there's a huge meth problem in San Francisco, mm-hmm. which I think, unfortunately, that's a lot of towns are dealing with. Yeah. yeah. Not just cities. Yeah. But also the homeless problem is a lot more obvious because San, San Francisco is built like Brooklyn. It's mm-hmm. not sprawling like L.A. Yeah. I think L.A. has a big homeless problem, but at least it's, it's like... pockets. In pockets. Yes. Whereas yeah, San yeah. Francisco is every street corner. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have any answers, do, and yep. I am very compassionate because I yep. think if I was homeless, I would go crazy, mm-hmm. and I have so many books, I don't even know. <laughs> like, at my b- apartment, I don't know if you ever look at my Instagram, but <laughs> yeah, I look I like I live in... A cross between a bookstore, Pee Wee's Playhouse, and maybe Norman Bates's room. That's a dream, though. I'll There's take a the lot Pee-wee's. of books, toys, and also like, if you don't know me, you'd be like, "Oh, where are your kids?" Because I have so many like that's, Star that's, Wars things and little, comics and toys. Yeah, yeah, where they're like, yeah, I, yeah, no, I don't, I don't have that excuse yeah. anymore. But moving to LA was such an eye-opening thing because LA is so diverse. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I didn't know if I would like LA. Okay. One, because I'm recovering goth, so I can't deal direct sunlight very well. So I'm mostly in. I'm like under. I'm like a little like yeah. I like hide under rocks. Like so, I'm mostly indoors and in front of the air conditioning I mean, unit. I have to think, Bonnie. This is the first time I've seen you before six p.m. in sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we went to LA Comic Con. Uh, that's true. That's true. That take that, that was back. during that was daytime. Daytime, but it was an event. It was inside. We're always taco. There was crawling. Yeah, we're yeah. taco crawling. We're beer yeah, crawling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We usually see each other in what I call writer hours. Yes, which is evening. Yes. Um, and so I, when I moved out here, I moved out here mostly to get into TV writing because okay. I have a pretty good resume to get my foot in the door. Almost everyone I know mm-hmm. that I'm friends with is a showrunner, TV writer, yeah, yeah. actor, director, producer. So I've got a good network of friends, right. comedians, whatever. And, um, but I mostly moved down here a, because I was just, I was, I was in San Francisco too long. Cause I used to move around a lot Okay. and I loved it for what it was again, didn't know when to leave the party. So I think I was at San Francisco a little too long. I was in a Victorian house, a top floor, uh, apartment in a Victorian that was falling yeah. apart. Yeah. It was a Victorian that had survived the 1906 earthquake. Barely. barely. And then the 89 quake. Yeah. The- yeah. Barely. So anytime a bus or the train would go by, it was an inner sunset, which is right yeah. by Golden Gate Park. Okay. So yeah. anytime the end train or a bus or a very big delivery truck went by the house shut. So I never knew if it was a tremor or delivery. Um, I was on a corner, I was on ninth and Judah, which now is just methville, Mm, mm. um, super dangerous corner now. But when I was there, it was mostly like working class families and med students because you're right by the hospital. And, um, it was just, you know, it was a great place to live, but I was there too long. I lived there for 12 years in that particular house and there was termite damage. There was water damage, there was black mold. Pretty sure it was haunted. 
Like, I think the ghost was like the best part. The, go- the ghost is like, there's black mold. Yeah. Well, get out. as you know, black mold causes both hallucinations <laughs> that are both sight and sound. So it could have just been the black mold that was slowly dying. What's one thing you experienced that would make me believe that this was a ghost, not black mold? You know what? I woke up one time yeah. and here's the thing. I had a dog at the time okay. and I thought dogs are supposed to sense this stuff. Right. I had a pit mix that basically yeah. knew when Amazon was delivering, but didn't know when there was a threat. Yeah. 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 And yeah. also it was old dog. So I think it was starting to not notice ghost stuff. I thought it was a ghost because things would be moved around. Okay. That's fair. That could have been mice. I don't know. I, I uh, it wasn't yeah. total poltergeist. It yeah, wasn't yeah. like all my chairs were stacked, stacked on, in a yeah, it triangle. Wasn't, no. And the TV wasn't talking to me <laughs> or anything like that, but it was one of those situations where I'd wake up and mm. you know, sometimes they, they, I think they're called tracers or something. It's not like LSD where you see pretty colors and stuff. It's basically when you wake up too soon out of a nightmare, out of a dream and you still see something residual in your room. Okay. Yeah. Or you see shadows that don't look like they should be shadows. Sure. That's when I was kind of like, but I'd never had any ghostly paranormal haunting situation where like when you watch that Netflix show hauntings, that sound that feels like you're in a really bad support group. (laughs) Do you ever watch that? We haven't got to that one yet. Okay. So they're in a circle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ghost adventure is great. I mean, any of those paranormal lockdown stuff. I love that stuff. Ghost brothers. But when you do, when you watch haunting on Netflix, be prepared to have it feel like an NA meeting or an AA meeting. Or not even like that. It feels like group therapy because okay. they're all in a circle yeah. and it's one person telling the story and no one's allowed to talk when that person tells the story. Right. And it's about their particular haunting when they were a kid, how they were tormented by a ghost or oh, a demon no, or whatever, yeah, yeah. Ouija board situation. Yeah. And everyone are circling them is their family who lived with them at the time or friends or boyfriend or spouse okay. or whatever. And then they like, but it's usually that one person just wanting confirmation or affirmation or one of the nations, one of the, one of them, uh, wanting them to be, they want closure and they want the people around them to admit this was a thing that and that they thing. weren't crazy because I think a lot of things that happens when you're haunted yeah. specifically, like not like me where it was probably black mold. Let's be yeah. honest. I was probably just slowly <laughs> dying. There was also a gas leak in that apartment. So who knows? But, but people that funny. actually do have yeah, horrible cool. childhoods because they had, whether yeah. it was a demon following them around or a ghost in their house or whatever, they get gaslit yeah, yeah. by their entire family. Yeah, no one wants or to yeah. if you are one of those indigo kids or whatever, there yeah. you can see things other people can't. And right, I do right. believe that does exist. Okay. I think 80% of psychics are con artists, yeah, yeah. which I respect as well. It's a good con. Gotta pay rent. Good con. But honestly, I do think there are people that can see stuff, but they get gaslit or they sure. have to deny it in order to be accepted by society. Yeah. I get that. So when yeah. you watch haunting, it's not fun. It's not like ghost bros. It's not like ghost bros searching It's not like, yeah, yeah. you know, come at me ghost. Where it's like, it's, some, fr- it's not like Zach yelling at yeah. ghosts in a come asylum. Fight come fight me. Come I, fight me. I, I got chills, bro. Um, God, if I was a ghost, I really want them to redo Beetlejuice. Yeah. But have the ghosts attack a, a team? the Zach people. Great. Wouldn't that be great? Why are we not writing this? Buddy? I mean, the only ghost team I ever liked, yeah. really, really liked uh, were the guys on Supernatural? Do you remember that? It was uh, a fake ghost. Yeah, yeah. What were they called? Ghost. I can't remember Not that. Ghost. Oh, I'm sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. just Google it. Someone will find it. But it was the show that I always thought would be a great spinoff from Supernatural, where it's Spin. just the ghost hunter dudes. Yeah. And they captured it. I mean, they captured. It. And there's so many reality paranormal shows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, there are, it's a thing now, and I love. It. I love the artifact shows because right now I collect vintage. Um, 
vintage haunted things? Well, <laughs> people think they're haunted. Like if you go on my Instagram, you're like that. She's going to die in the middle of the night. But I like it. Or, I, or she has black mold still. Thank God I don't. I'm in a new apartment That's for good. the first time ever in my entire like life. A new, new apartment. New, it's like built in the 80s, not 1880s, oh, but yeah, 1980s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so that, I'm that just counts. like, oh my God, that I might counts. live through this. It's like it a loft. It might survive. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's no weird things. Yeah, yeah. There's no teeth in the wall or something. No, um, no, I collect ventri- uh, ventriloquist dummies. Oh, no. And antique little children mannequins. Yeah. And dolls from the 60s, like the Little Miss No Names, the Blythe dolls, which are now all hipster-fied, so all the hipsters have Blythe dolls. And Ouija boards. So I collect, I've been collecting Ouija boards forever. I made the mistake when I first moved to San Francisco and another Victorian, I lived in the Castro. It was 20th and Castro, which is affectionately called breeder block. Okay. It's the only block with straight people. people I mean, I'm bi, so I was just like, but still gay boys are not gay. Um, Actually, gay boys don't care. I'm going to be, I'm going to say something a little, (laughs) I'm going to say a little controversial thing from being in the gay community. Do it. Straight people don't, straight women do not care about bisexual women. They okay. basically think, a lot of them kind of think everyone's bi, so they don't care. Sure. Unless they're religious and then they hate sure. you, but whatever. Um, straight boys just instantly go to penthouse. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, bi? That means threesome, which is yeah, not yeah. what bi means. It's, uh, yeah. They, threesome. They become Bob Straight Guccione. people can do threesomes. Like, yeah. it's not, that yeah. doesn't mean you're gay if you do threesome or foursome or whatever. Yeah. Orgies does not mean gay. It just means it you're means willing to do crowded. team sports. <laughs> A, I was never an orgy person because I get bored easily. It's a good bit. And also good. there's there's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts. That's, that's a, a, that's that's a, a lot of naked work. Rube Goldberg machine you don't want to mess up. Like if you're the <laughs> wrench in an orgy, it's <laughs> you don't obvious. Wanna, you don't want to be the wrench in an right? orgy. Right. Like I'm the one that would start conversations. Oh, what do you do? Oh, those are great shoes. That's the quote we got. Oh, do close. you like Star Wars? <laughs> Bonnie, Bonnie Burton, 2019. Yeah, it would Do be not like, be the wrench in yeah, an orgy. Don't, don't be talkative at an orgy. So anyway, that's a whole other thing. But um, yeah, yeah. but then gay boys don't really care if you're bi. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got cute guy friends, that's a plus. They're good, okay. But honestly, don't care. It's great. the lesbians that tend to be a little bit what? mean. Okay. Uh, Maybe we don't have those answers. Well, I think I don't uh, and also San Francisco has a lot of political lesbians, which is different than... Uh, kind of anything do, goes lesbian. Do I want to ask what that means? Where it's like, you know, I, I was, I'm big in the feminist movement. I'll admit it, but I'm sure. on the side of feminism that's sex positive. Uh-huh. Um, I believe in sex workers rights. I think that should be legalized and just taxed or whatever, just kind of like sure. pot. Sure. Um, I also believe in equal rights, equal pay, but I'm not a dude hater. You know, yeah, like I'm not like all guys suck. I know I've said some things on this podcast I, that sound a little like bitter no, feminist, no, 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 but no. honestly, most of my friends are dudes. Like mm-hmm. I get it. My brother, my brother's dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> No, I think you know what I mean? So I get along with guys fine, but yeah, yeah. I had friends that, and this is, you have to remember, this is like the Paglia days of yeah, ni- yeah, yeah. 1990s okay. and yeah, riot girl stuff yeah, yeah. where I had friends that thought, you know, straight marriage was legal. It was like legal prostitution, right? right like right. it's an unequal mm-hmm. situation or that, um, the only way to really free yourself as a woman is not date dudes and whatever. I, I don't, it's not about male, female for me. It's about personality. Sure. It's like, am I attracted to you? But it's usually something else. I mean, obviously yeah. I have a type, but that type sure. changes regularly. I found that my type now is just not annoying, <laughs> but definitely as you get older, that's right? the key. Yeah. And no, actually as you get older, unless you find someone yeah. when you're our age, you give up quick. Like unless yeah. you have another midlife crisis there's a, yeah, there's or, a you're breaking ju- point coming. or you yeah. get out of a relationship that was stifling and now you're like, I'm free. I'm going to have sex with everybody. Like for me, yeah. it's like, I'm just really lazy. <laughs> 
And I just like I like flirting a lot. Like I have so much fun flirting with Lyft drivers and bartenders and janitors, mostly working class. I'll admit. But your type. for the most part, yeah. I don't actually, I have zero follow through, zero game. If I think someone's cute, I'll just stalk them on Instagram for a it's while and favorite a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, until like they I just, yeah, but even if they noticed, I wouldn't have Back any, on. I don't got, I don't have anything to, I, I have zero game, which is fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, I'm, I totally forgot what we were talking about. You were going into a lot of wonderful things, some insight into the, you, you being by in San Francisco. Right. Uh, oh, so oh, yeah. when I moved to LA. Yeah, you come to LA. LA you know that part? Portlandia intro when all the LA people move to Oregon, Portland, they're like, oh, it's the 90s. Yep. Dream of the 90s. LA is like that. LA is San Francisco. Yes. In the 90s, where burritos are still five bucks, (laughs) where you can find parking. Parking. Depending where you're going on a night. I stick in the valley. Yeah. Stay in the valley. And diversity. Like, I've met more people from different countries. Yeah. um, More people fight for their dreams here. Yeah, it's yeah. not all about money and fame, which people mostly outside of LA think what LA is. Actually, that's what San Francisco is. Everyone wants to be rich and Elon really, Musk. Yeah. We're uh, here. Tech fame. Hmm. Tech fame, which is a different kind of hell in Dante's <laughs> Inferno. That's a circle of hell I don't want to go back to. But yeah. here, it's like you still have people who want to be famous. You still have people that are shallow. Yeah, whatever. yeah that's there. But you can have that wherever there's people. That's yeah, just a people yeah. thing, that's, not a yes, city thing. Thank you. I totally... I mean, I'm from the yeah. Midwest. There are plenty of housewives. There's some big little lies situation going yes. on in the Midwest, too. Yeah. But... To tell you the truth, LA is so diverse. There's so many different types of people fighting for their dream, like really fighting. Mm -hmm. And you're going to, as writers, Mm -hmm. I think, and Mm -hmm. I I think you can relate to this too, you get, you, you want to fight that bitterness. Like you want to fight that imposter syndrome. You want to fight that. I'm comparing myself to all my friends who are super successful at my Mm -hmm. age. And why aren't I running a show? Why aren't I, why didn't I get the screen lit? Why didn't I get the six figure book deal? And here, there's so many people fighting for their dreams that yeah. you remind yourself that you're in a good group. Yeah, and yeah. also, it's not just about entertainment here. There are people fighting Shoot. for their dreams that are chefs, yeah. that are artists, that are um, mm-hmm. you know people that work in nonprofits, people that right. work in activism. Like the activism scene in yeah. LA is huge. And uh, I feel like there's more compassion here, believe it or not. I love this. And just a lot of stories. And Mm -hmm. as a writer, I've come up with so many book ideas, comic ideas, movie Mm -hmm. ideas, just starting conversations with my Lyft drivers. Because I don't have a car. I'm the one person in LA that doesn't have a car. So I Lyft everywhere. I Mm -hmm. work from home. So, But when I do take Lyft or Uber, I really make a point to talk to the people that are driving because they all have fascinating backstories. Yeah, I I do too. And I've I've gotten some crazies. Sure. Like I got one guy who's just convinced everyone's aliens except for him. I want to talk to that guy. And he was really legit thought that. And I was like, okay, do I convince him I'm not an alien or do I just listen to his story? And I just listened to his story. It was fascinating. It's the best. Um, But as a woman, part of me is like, am I going to die? Am I going to be that another statistic? Because there is that statistic of ride share and Mm -hmm. where women are getting assaulted. But honestly, like I really am fascinated with LA because it has new stuff, but it really respects its past. Yeah, yeah. There are diners like Blue Room. 
right? Yeah. He's mm-hmm. been there. We were there for Taco Crawl. Taco Crawl, yeah. And it was there since like the 40s. Mm-hmm. Same look to it, same booths, same everything. Yep. Probably same bartender, depending uh, on what night of, you go to. Those are my favorite type of restaurants, too. Usually. Uh, Irish Times is like that. Yeah. Nathan's Bar that we go to. Yeah. I love that I'm just advertising Nathan Hamill's <laughs> Bar. Um, he doesn't own it. He's just there a lot. Yeah. Um, but no, it's. I love the hit, like Cantor's Deli. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can go to places yeah. in LA where. Yeah. Old school Hollywood went. Yeah. And then you can go to the new foodie place or food truck mm-hmm. or pop up. Um, little, th- little districts. That are- I mean, I'm not a foodie, mm-hmm. but I am. I'm fascinated with food writing. I think Bourdain. Yeah. Uh, I was a big fan of his Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. But when I moved here, I was like, I'm going to read everything Jonathan Gold ever wrote. Right, about yeah. LA. About, and yeah. I loved his way where he would like review mm-hmm. hole in the wall Thai restaurants. Yeah. And he never gave anything a bad review. If he didn't like what he ate, he just didn't review it. Yeah. But if he would find some hole in the wall or some taco truck or some place that you would never know about, and he made the lives of so many like immigrant families and so many like working class and so many people that were, because opening a restaurant's not a hell I want to go through. But I really love LA for that. I really feel like when you're here, Visiting's a whole other story because you always want to do Disneyland, Universal sure, Studios, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. When I lit, when Walk I moved back. here, I was just like, the heat's gonna kill me if not the fires. Yeah, well, <laughs> if not yeah. unvaccinated children, I yeah. mean, take your pick. But <laughs> to be honest, it's made me want to pursue things I didn't think I could do. So well, that's why I want to get into TV writing. I know it's competitive. Sure. I know it can be ageist in some corners. Sure. I know it's definitely sexist in some corners, but I want to try it and I want to try writing movies. And I know that's a hard gig to get as a writer. I don't want to turn to be like Hollywood Boulevard situation (laughs) where I'm like, Boulevard broken dreams, broken dreams. Cause there's a lot of writers here writing great scripts, a lot of original stuff. And we're now in a gen, like a world of reboots where no one wants original stuff. Ask Marty Scorsese. Exactly. Oh, poor Marty. Marty was the producer on the Joker. He was supposed to be producing that movie. Why does he not he, like, like it? You know, it's, it's, I never forget this. He has a movie to promote right Marty, now. Marty, Marty, everyone has a movie to promote. <laughs> you don't hear Ron Jeremy putting down but Marvel. Hey, you know, Coppola, <laughs> Coppola probably, I remember he, they used to give George some shit in the, in the New Hope era. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, like he changed everything. Yeah, yeah. And you have to give George the respect oh, he deserves yeah, for changing yeah. not just movie making, but yeah. merchandising and marketing and, and all of that but stuff. But back in the day, it was like, George, what are you doing? You just made a wonderful American graffiti. You were doing a space picture. Yeah, but American graffiti was a happy-go-lucky movie too. It like was, yeah. you're talking at a time where everything was gritty. It's Shut almost it funny because we're kind of doing that now, mm-hmm. where everyone wants a dark superhero movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I went to go see both Shazam uh, with Zach Levi. It was a mm. great movie, fun popcorn movie. Mm. And same with Jason Momoa with uh, Aquaman. That's yeah. a fun pop. Well, I mean, that could have gone man. dark. It could have. Like you could have made a James gritty. Yeah. Oh my god. You could have made a super gritty Aquaman where I don't mm. want to ruin it, but I am going to say the first part of the movie, mm-hmm. the, you know, Aquarius folks mm-hmm. dump all the pollution from the ocean back onto our land. That would have been a great movie if we're like, if they decide <laughs> humans are the enemy Dude. and Aquaman's in the middle between his birth family because yeah. he's half human, half mm-hmm. Aqua. I don't know. Uh, yeah, what, aqua, aqua Aquarian. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I'm going to get aqua works for lambasted me. for that. Yeah. Well, actually no. it's called, um, that would have been a great movie if yeah. it was about, you know, if Greta 
Thornburg, like yep. if the activist kid that's 16 is in there and she like hates everything human and she joins the Aqua Force <laughs> or whatever. Like, like nah, that would have been great. Nah. Yeah. But that's not what it was. It was yeah. like the atypical hero's journey, mm-hmm. half brother fight for the kingdom bullshit. Right, right. But it was a fun movie. And but everyone wants dark. Everyone yeah. wants the gritty Batman, the gritty Joker, which the Joker movie's great, but it is not a superhero movie. Yeah. It's about mental health. Right. It's about comedians, which I related to. Yes, yes. I'm like, I've been there. <laughs> I'm in there where I think this is going to be my career. This yeah, is going to yeah. be fun. This is it. No. After you bomb eight times in a row, you start to hate humanity and think suicide's oh, yeah. a good option. Oh yeah. It was some dark times in my twenties. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What was the weirdest place you've ever done stand up? Um, the weirdest place I've ever done stand up, uh, a, a, a biker bar in Corona. Wow. Uh, Did they have the blues brothers net in front of you? Um, so you, if they threw beer battle, almost bottles? we, I, I, I've, I told this uh, story in a recent episode if I was question and answer show, but like me and my, my roommate at the time, he was the headliner. I was, I was going around with him locally here in SoCal and we drove to Corona, which again, is like two hours and it's what they call it. Slow Rona. And we get up there and it's a biker bar <laughs> wow. with a dirt parking lot, all these, it, and we walk in and when the door closes, everyone turns around and we thought, Oh no, like it was, they were all it's looking like at blues brothers meets peewee. Hermit. Meets Adventure. Yeah. And, the, and the owner who's this, uh, um, uh, woman comes around the corner and it's like, are you the comics? And we go, yeah. And she goes, guys, it's okay. They're the comics. It's okay. They're the comics. It's, oh, why? Did you look like DEA or something? No, or we just look like uh, some dudes from Hollywood and button-up shirts and tight jeans. You know, like, hey, we're going to tell stories about how Uh-oh. we you didn't roll up on bikes, though. No. We weren't like weekend warriors. No, we, no, we oh, okay. no, no, no. But it was just like, we didn't belong there. And so we do that. <laughs> I, a couple of places like that. I, I, I used to do a, a show, a weekly show over at a place called Bitter Redhead. Just uh, the bar still there. The names changed. Bitter Redhead in Santa Monica on Lincoln. Okay, and it was right next to the Jack in the Box and a rent by the hour hotel. <gasps> and there was like a murder at the Jack it's in the romantic. Box, or there was a murder at the hotel. But like people getting held up at the Jack in the Box. Well, yeah, and that's where a guy charged me on stage and fought me for the mic. No, yeah, was he another comic or no. did he just want the mic drunk to like crowd. do his manifesto? Yeah, drunk crowd. Holy crap! And he grabbed it and screamed into this one. Ah, and, and I remember it. doing that once where I was so fed up with the heckler, I just gave the mic to the he- heckler. Yeah, I was like, let's. Do do this. Do it. Let's have like not like an Eminem kind of wrap off or something, yeah. but it was like, you think you're funny? Go for it. Yeah. Let's, let's hear your best stuff. Let's any any that will stop a heckler real quick because yeah. once Get you give them the mic in the spotlight and then it's they have to be game. funnier than you. Yeah. I mean, I've been in situations where I've been in press junkets where it's like you know Jack Black or yeah. Conan O'Brien or people that are genuinely funny, Paul Rudd or whatever, mm. and you see these novice journalists trying to out funny. <laughs> the funny professional comedians and you're like, oh, oh don't do that. Don't do that. So like cute. you can bond with a comedian without trying to out funny yeah, yeah. them. Just go with the flow. Just yeah, talk yeah. normal. Yeah, yeah. But no, I think the worst place, I don't want to say worse. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say I've tried out material at Dangerous NA spots, meetings because they're captive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was a teenager and I was starting out, I was like, yeah. I'm going to try it on a captive crowd that can't, that's just glad they're, that you're not talking there. a sob story. Yeah, yeah. If you're not doing a sob story, they're like, so you would go there, do just, this. yeah. Well, I would go there to support friends who were yeah, clearly, sure. Um, I come from a family of alcoholics and stuff. So, so you would, you could go as kids of alcoholics. They had those support meetings, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the, I, I, I would find those meetings turned into, you know, almost like all the kids are trying to one up each other on disaster stories. Right. Right. And even the adults do that. So after a while you need some comic relief. So that's when I would do some like bits. <laughs> and then of course the therapist in charge of group therapy or the, whoever the sponsor is, is like, 
Yeah, we know you're trying out material. Maybe, 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 maybe tone it down a little. Maybe talk about real life instead of what you think's happening. And then there was a yeah. laundromat in the Mission in San Francisco yeah. where there was open mic. It yeah. was literally this dude that ran the laundromat. He was just like, you know what? We need some music up in here. So yeah. it was supposed to be mm-hmm. like Simon and Girl, Girl Funkel or Lana Ray. While you're washing Yeah, like pants. people are like playing yeah. green sleeves. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's not like Republic of Pie open mic where a guy's doing clash covers with right, a didgeridoo. It's right, not right, that right. level of sophistication, uh, but I would I go take and, an album of that. yeah, I would go and do, um, stand up. The best stand up I ever did was, uh, at a consolidated concert. Do you remember them? They used mm. to open up for Fugazi. No. Consolidated. I mean, con- yeah. Well, you know what Fugazi is Yeah, like. I do know Fugazi. So Fugazi is yeah. a punk band that's been around forever. If you were too poor to pay for tickets, which were never more than like 15 bucks, right. you could bring canned food and get in. Right, right. And they always did like fundraising and stuff and consolidated was they always started their, their shows. And I think it wasn't front two. No, it was like, um, it was another industrial band used to do that too, where they'd have open mic and you didn't even have to sign up. You could just, storm the stage and say what you wanted to say. There's a lot of scum manifesto kind of stuff happening, a lot of anarchy stuff. And I did like five minutes of punk rock themed comedy. And I got like the best, Awesome. audience ever. And then I, you know, respectfully left yeah. the stage. I didn't hog you, the stage. You because knew to leave the party. I though. knew to leave that because at a punk <laughs> show, you know real quick when to leave the stage. When, leave, when the shoes go flying. When, not just shoes. <laughs> no one like takes it. off your shoes. I mean, are you kidding? Duck Martens are expensive. No, they they're throwing beer bottles at your head. That's, that's Or sharp things. You need a net. Or a net. spitting. <laughs> the punk spit goes a very long distance. Punk spit goes a very long distance. You heard it here from Bonnie Bird. <laughs> Barty, a couple minutes uh, as yeah. we wrap here. You are you are just wonderful, delightful. You've been all over the world in your mind. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. love listening to talk. We're, and we're not done. If you stick around for five, can you stick around for five minutes for my Patreon yeah. show? Because yeah. I got a question I want to ask. Of course, it's it's my show that's five minutes, but sure. I, I guarantee it's going to go at least six with this question okay. I, I want to ask okay. uh, on that show. Uh, but Bonnie, uh, one of the things you're really good at. One of the things that I, I mentioned this on a convention uh, we were just recently on, and I uh, really saw you tweet this a while ago and took it to heart because uh, I'm still bad at it and mm. I still got to learn. It is the the no shame in promoting what you're proud of, what you work on, and you work on a lot of great things. So uh, talk a little bit about that sure, philosophy sure. and then let's promote your stuff on the way. Sure. Um, I think on social media, people tend to want to just argue or um, one up people or show funny videos or whatever, whatever you do sure. on social media. I don't think there's really any don't do that on social media other than mm-hmm. death threats and stuff. But I think the thing I'm always sad about is when I see someone promote a movie, they make like an a mm-hmm. Indiegogo or Kickstarter campaign right. for a movie they want to make, or they want to promote their band or their podcast or their mm-hmm. comic or their book or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be a string of replies of, uh, shameless pro- self promotion. Right, uh, right. Why are you promoting this? Uh. You have to remember, first of all, mute all those fuckers because mm-hmm. who cares what they think? But you need to be proud of the stuff you accomplish. Like right. we're so used to chasing that dream that sometimes yeah. we forget about the good stuff we've already done or the stuff yeah. that we, you know, put our heart and soul into. It's okay to promote that. I write um, a lot of articles for CNET. I'm a mm-hmm. journalist. That's what pays rent. Yeah. Um, and a lot of journalists across the board, if you want to get into journalist. Mm-hmm career. Yeah. This is a, this is some tough love right now is that you get paid based on traffic numbers, right? You don't get a set amount per article anymore. It's traffic numbers. So that mm-hmm. means people have to click on your article for it to count for a peso that goes yeah. towards your salary or not salary, but whatever you make that month. 
or weak. And so I promote a lot of my CNET, my CNET stuff and I get people going, oh, why are you always promoting your CNET stuff? And it's like, well, that's yeah. how I get paid. But also I'm proud of the article I just wrote. It's like I took some time to do this. And also take some time to promote your friend's stuff mm. or people you respect mm-hmm. or people you look up to. If there's a comedian that you love and they're coming to your town, retweet their calendar, mm. tour calendar. If there's a band that comes out with a new album, you know, yeah. say retweet them or say, hey, check this out. Um, I, I tend to try to make as much as I do self promote to promote my other friends and mm. to promote stuff that I think is cool. Yeah. But there's no shame in that. Like mm. you have to remind yourself that you need to celebrate your wins. Yeah. Cause we're so used to being yeah. bitter and angry about things we missed out on and the FOMO mm. situation. What we and didn't get what we didn't get or we're jealous of our friend's success or yeah. whatever. Um, you need to celebrate your wins. And I think that's something that, especially people in the creative industries, we forget because we're yeah. so competitive and we're yeah. so self-loathing. And yeah, we're yeah, so we imposter. And I mentioned imposter syndrome yeah. before, which is mm-hmm. you don't think, you think you're a hack all the time, right. even though there's evidence to the contrary. Mm-hmm. You have that monkey brain that's telling you, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you should give up. Oh, why are you even yeah. bothering? You need to like, just remind yourself when you do something cool, celebrate it. And you don't have to put it on social, but I think it should be because it's, it's where, it's where people it goes. need to be reminded of good stuff on Twitter and Instagram yeah. and Facebook. Important. Like don't just support. do the dumb stuff, like support yourself, support your friends, celebrate some stuff. Choose, uh, choose that joyful path right there. Yeah. Cause again, you have one life. Life is short. Don't spend it being bitter and angry that you didn't get what you want be happy with a lot of stuff you've accomplished and remind yourself. I do this every year. So, you yeah. know, when you do the goal list every goal year, the beginning, yeah. I do the, okay, here's all the cool stuff I did last year nice. and I pin it up. So I always have it up. So every year I can look, and I usually I have it in that. the bathroom when yeah. I have the most self-loathing. <laughs> so when you're like in the morning brushing your yeah. teeth or doing your morning routine, you could be like, I laminate yeah. that crap. Like I'm like, I, yeah. And I write the That's 10 great. top things I did that year to that. remind myself I'm not a loser. Cause sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. And, and that's, look, that's a, that's a slight joke there too. I know. Cause that's what I would do too, but that's an important, I think that's an important strategy because yeah. we forget. Yeah. I have to go back and go, what would your 14 year old self think of these five things you've yeah. got to do? Like I, um, I didn't get to stay at Lucasfilm for 20 years, Yeah, but I got to be there for 10 years and that's yeah. 10 years more than my 14 year old self ever thought. Yeah. I didn't even think I'd live past 25. So yeah. I'm like in the golden You're stage in- right now where I'm like double that free, free baseball. <laughs> I'm like in my late 40s going, holy crap, I'm still alive and I have not been eating kale. <laughs> like how, how did I beat those odds? You and did. also I'm in a creative career. I'm yeah, not and you're sur- and in you're a surviving. job I hate, yeah. but sometimes it's okay to be in a job you hate to pay for the dream you want. It absolutely is. It's yeah. not your true identity. Bonnie, you're amazing. Great. Love your stories. There's Aww. so much more I want to talk about with you uh, on air and off, but uh, we're, we're out of time here. Thank sure. you for making your Knapsack Files debut. Yeah, thanks for, and I, I apologize to all your listeners. You're no. like, does she ever shut up? No, no don't <laughs> this apologize. Is, this has been powered by coffee, just so you know. <laughs> but, all right, but here's the thing. I've been around you when you haven't had coffee, and yes. it's no different, and that's why I brought oh, good. you here. That's why yeah, I brought you I'm just as here. hyper on tequila. Uh, tell, them, <laughs> tell them where they can find you and follow you and all your stuff so you can, they, they yeah. can tweet out your stuff. Um, so my social screen name is Bonnie Girl. It's B-O-N-N-I-E-G-R-R-L. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for all social. That's like okay. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that. Um, you could just Google my name, Bonnie Burton. There's only two Bonnie Burtons that get a lot of hits. Right. There's me, and then there's like this esports gamer girl who's super cool, and she's so, like 20. 
So See, I'm not the one that's 20. <laughs> but even then, you're like, promote her work. No, too. she's awesome. She's promote like in esports. I think she's on G4. Remember yeah, G4? Aww. I do remember. Yeah, so she's super cool. But yeah, you can find me if you just Google my name. And then on CNET, I write like a ton of stuff. So if you're oh. into entertainment and weird news, um, bizarre robots from Japan. I read about that. Rats driving cars and whatnot. Yeah. Fun and I Scott. might start a podcast. I feel like I think you you're inspiring me to do we'll something talk. like that. And I've got books on Amazon. So if you want to, yeah, you got a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I do mostly pop culture. I do a star Wars nonfiction books, like yeah. star Wars craft book. Yeah. And I do weird quirky stuff like crafting with feminism. Love that one. I've done an anti-bullying book for teen girls called girls against girls, which you actually Love. have to read as an adult. Cause it's still, mean girls grew up to mean it, women. Yeah, it still happens. Um, yeah, so I you can pretty much find me anywhere. But I, I do spend a lot of time on social, but I try to spend some positive stuff on social so it's not just yeah. all screaming. So follow Bonnie and get some non-screaming. <laughs> that is it for this week. Bonnie, thanks so much. We'll see you all here on the Knapsack Files. <laughs>